1: Can survive. By this way place way. is no place for civilized man. Take it in the guts, Barry. From my All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture
0: test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, you and studio? you go through that doorway to the greatest in the Good morning, everybody. This is Annie for Showreel, our look at the Australian film industry, and uh, because we're cruising past COVID, maybe we are. Uh, I've actually got a live guest, which is really. Uh, Amazing. Um, we've got Gus, uh, Gus Berger here. G'day, Gus.
2: Uh Hi. Yeah, yeah. Hi.
0: Now, uh, people may know Gus as the uh, entrepreneur who, uh, who kick-started the uh, Thornbury Picture House up in Northcote, but he's also a filmmaker and a whole lot of other things as well. And during COVID, you weren't slothful. You actually made a film called The Lost City of Melbourne. Hmm. Tell us all about it
1: um thanks for having me Annie. um yeah so yes as you said we um myself and my wife flew run um, Thornbury Picture House up there in Thornbury and we were one of the first businesses um to close um which obviously was pretty devastating for for everyone in that street as it was for everyone um affected by those lockdowns um so um once i sort of had kind of started to hibernate the business and reduce the costs and try to survive um the all of the lockdowns and i I had a feeling at the time that it wasn't going to be over quickly so uh, it was very important um, for me and Lou to make sure that we had a business at the end of that um, and then once we'd done all of that um, you know as a reasonably creative person I sort of felt that I needed to channel um, those emotions and that time into something productive and creative and uh, I spent um, Without really knowing what I was doing, I certainly at that point um, didn't think i would be making a film that um, would get a release or anything like that. It was more about just trawling through all of the archives at the start, um, mainly the State Library of Victoria. And um, I'm very interested in photography and um, have been for a long time. And um, so I was intrigued at the, the quality of some of those photos at the State Library, um, particularly from those early um, photography, photographic works of... Um, you know 1880 to 1910 1915 those sorts of times a dry plate photography era um of just how incredibly detailed some of these photos were of like um burke street on a um you know, Friday night or Collins Street on a Saturday morning and um, the cable trams and the people and the horse and carts. And how many and the old people. Shops. How many people were about. And um, that's what makes the, some of those photos so um, interesting is that um, because they're dry plate photography, they're big negatives to start with. The State Library has done an amazing job in scanning those negatives, doing high-res um, TIFF files. So they're huge um, files that you can look at. And then you zoom in on people's faces and um what they're wearing, and um, you know the, the shop signs, and what's written on the walls and the windows, and you know you get a real feel for um, for life in Melbourne, you know, a hundred years ago.
0: And, and you actually point out uh, a very interesting fact that the as uh, photography uh, increased, uh, um, technique. Uh, Technologically, they were able. Those early shots of empty streets was because they couldn't have moving people or mm. vehicles in them because the uh, technology didn't have the capacity to uh, translate that movement.
1: Yeah, that's that was right. really interesting. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and it's funny actually because the film, the, the link that I thought that was interesting at the start of this project was um, the development of melbourne um as a city um uh, in conjunction with the development of photography because they were both happening um at the really similar times um you know the as the as you mentioned the um the techniques of photography um the initial i think it was um um, the the um, collidal process, the wet plate photography, which is what you're talking about, which is when you can't have any movement, it takes this long exposure of the film, um, like camera obscura, exactly, hold yeah. still, yeah, exactly, hold still, don't anyone move, um, no smiling, yeah. yeah, but in in a way it was, um, yeah, so that so they had to take those photos at the at right, at, you know, at dawn um, on a Sunday morning when there was no one around, because as you said, Melbourne was um such a busy um city the crowded streets and animals everywhere and all of that um so yeah so then dry plate started to develop as melbourne started growing and then um you know had this incredible burst of color with kodachrome and in the in the 50s or the late 40s and early 50s so uh, as Melbourne was changing again So yeah it um, they, they do have a um, similar trajectory Photography in Melbourne Taiwan, uh, the,
0: But um, There's uh, The fact that you decided to do a film that's called The Lost City of Melbourne To me uh, was uh, sort of very compelling because I've been thinking as I sit on the tram looking at all these coffin-shaped tall buildings uh, growing to t- change the shape of Melbourne, uh, at, you know, this developer's t- uh, wet dream, really. Mm. Uh, and you look at the pictures of other major cities, they will look the same because they're all doing the same right mm. uh and that's part of that uh exploration you uh and i thought this is a good time for people to actually uh comment visually on these changes because of, look at the skylines the skylines are so j- are changeable mm. and in a way that's one of the things you explore between the victorian melbourne uh which was a uh international city mm. and uh the change into the fifties where there was a whole of removal of the stain of Victoriana. Mm,
1: yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Isn't that? Um, I mean, yeah, as you said, I mean, Melbourne, um, you know, post gold rush, um, had a, you know, there's a lot of money around and um, we oh, really
0: famous people came and visited. famous here. people
1: came visit here. Um, um Mark Twain, Agatha Christie, I think General MacArthur had a um apartment in the Menzies Hotel um for many years. Um but yeah, I mean we were the the one of the most um bustling cities in the world at that time and um a lot of hotels, a lot of theatres, um a lot of people were coming here and um we had the highest buildings in the world at some point. It's the highest the buildings in New York and Chicago at the time, like the APA building. Um, And
0: I presume the infrastructure too, like uh, electric lights. I know that Launceston uh, talks about itself as being the first city to have electric lights in the city. Yeah. yeah, So Melbourne must have been uh, close behind.
1: We would have been. um, I think it was the 1920s, I think. um, So it's infrastructure as well. Yeah, it's infrastructure. That's right. And we were early adopters of all of that. Um, Speaking tubes, um, elevators, taking out... Um, up um, buildings lifts um, cable trams um, all of that we were um, at the forefront of the world really in technology which is I found quite surprising considering you know we're so far away from everyone and we're at a time where you know there's no you know telephones and you know um, film or anything like that like how would people have known um, and how would people have got here I mean obviously you've, you're taking a long ship from Europe or the states and um, I mean,
0: there's stories about uh, people from the 1860s who came here. Uh, there's this book called The Welsh Swagman, and he was a diarist, and he came in the 1860s or something. It took a, a year before he received the letter that told him that his favourite daughter had died.
1: Oh, no. How sad. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, my point, your point yeah. made. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it, it is amazing. And... um you know, I guess that people were, you know, fascinated with, the, you know, the world and exploring and going to new places. And, um, yeah, we were – yeah, it was incredible. Some of these photos of, like, some of the theatres, that just must have, like, you know, 4,000 people in them. I mean, they're enormous, you know, and, um, you know, probably put those existing theatres like the Palais, make them look small, really. Um, and people were going out all the time. Yeah, they had a, a, a the capacity
0: time. of 1,000 people.
1: Yeah, oh, some of them were, were 2,000 and 2,500 people. Um, but I guess um, I also love the, the history of that those sort of early cinemas. And um, I live in Brunswick and, um, you know, there was like an outdoor cinema on Sydney Road next to the Retreat, which I just, you know, God, can you imagine? Can you, you imagine? go back in time to 1910 to see what that would look like. And yeah, then, um, what
0: about the cinema with the revolving?
1: Uh, I know, the Padua, the revolving stage.
0: I've um, never heard of such a thing I
1: know, incredible You arrive and you've got the, the, um, the trailers, if you like, playing on And then it rotates to the orchestra And then it rotates for another screen And then you've, you're seeing your feature film um, Remarkable, really That's um, very
0: entrepreneurial
1: Very entrepreneurial, very creative um, And all the little bits inside that cinema Like the ticket box were like, you know, from another planet I mean, so Art Deco And so um, Handsome Yeah, very handsome
0: yeah very handsome um there's uh, the thing about your film which is um fascinating to me is the sources the way you've put it together so of course there's lots of stills but there's also some fabulous uh, early footage uh, of the world that we don't see now but it's you know it's uh uh Collins Street and um uh Bourke Street and um there's maps that show Exhibition Street as Stephen Street, which mm. is fascinating and its relationship to the exhibition building. So it gives us an understanding of the mindscape of the people there. But also, um, you, as you move on to the whole, whole destruction of, you know, the movement into modernity and William, uh, Wheeler, Wheeler,
1: Wheel in the Wrecker.
0: Wheel in the Wrecker, yeah. Mm. Wheel in the Wrecker was here, which mm. is like foo was here. but it's- Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you use great uh, pieces of uh, footage of uh, Barry Humphrey. and mm. uh, The sources you use are unusual. And the photographs of people who have fantastic photos of- by people who are master artists of photography who have come from Germany and seen the destruction in after the war, and now they've come to Melbourne and they're taking these fantastic photos.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was, um, yeah, like as I, as I mentioned, like um, with my interest in photography, I was aware of these um, photographers, two of which I think you're referring to, is like Mark Strizic and Wolfgang Sievers, Who, yes, they did come from um, from Berlin. Um, they saw that destruction of Berlin and they came here and they were just like, what, why are we knocking down all of these buildings that um, you know, were brought down so involuntarily in Berlin, um, um, whereas we're bringing them down as government-sanctioned um, wreckers, wreckage? Um, so I think a lot of people were pretty powerless of what they felt that they could do in Melbourne at the time. Like, I'm sure that there were a lot of people that were... Um, aghast at what was going on but they were definitely at that stage of the 50s it didn't seem like there was a very strong movement of people collection of people that were standing up so individuals like Max Strzyk and Wolfgang Sievers were like um, well all we can do what we're photographers we're artists we're just going to document what we see um, and they you know they had other interests now commercial photographers and they you know did other things but Um, they, both of them had a strong interest in documenting, um, some of these buildings that Melbourne had, um, that were earmarked for demolition, like the Colonial Mutual building in, uh, Collins Street, um, and the fish market on Flinders Street, and where they were just getting in there and photographing those places. And then they were continuing to photograph them as the wreckers came in. So they've got some incredible sort of, you know, trend before, after, and transitional photography of some of these incredible buildings. So... Um yeah but um Mark Strizik also on went on another level of he was I think one of Melbourne's most accomplished documentary style photogra- photographers and he was you know getting capturing all people outside the state library reading the newspapers you the know the body movements the body movements and, and the clothes yeah yeah really it was a it was yeah. a, a very much a, just encapsulated old Melbourne um Old people in the city as they saw their city disappearing before them. Like, you know, he really did capture that um, feeling. Um, so, yeah, so they, there were these tie ins, I guess, um, that were, you know, and I mean, it's great to be able to use some of these photographs because, you know, they're so beautiful. Um, you know, Mark Strizick also documented the end of the verandas. You know, Melbourne oh, had a verandas. lot more. Verandas than we do now. Oh, it was now. too...
0: too um,
1: Victorian too, and colonial and...
0: And uh, backward.
1: Yeah. So they all went, all yeah. before the Queen came out. And uh, I don't know if you remember that that sort of um, sad irony of... Um, I you, do. Uh, yeah, to the, the wanting to... Get rid of them, so one we of didn't. The look. And then uh, one of the brochures celebrating Melbourne had the Ogg's chemist veranda that was being that had already gone. So beautiful, yeah.
0: The detailing, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and that that uh, there are some interesting things that I didn't really. Uh, Discussion points, uh, 1954, I think it was, when the Queen came out. Yeah. And also the um, Olympics, when was that?
1: 56.
0: 56, and that coincided with another major piece of technology, which was the TV. Yeah. And uh, the uh, big end of town just decided it was just too embarrassing to be looking. And mm. uh, This is why we needed to be more modern and have... Square ugly buildings everywhere
1: Yeah, the, it, it really was a perfect storm and, um, and that ended up being the sort of the the theme, if you like That, that I felt was going to be the one that brought it together And, um, you know, I'd been working on the film for um, probably at least a year I'd say of just, you know, just working with all of this different archive And reading a lot of different books and working out, you know Well, not really intentionally trying to find that the 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 strand or the theme that was going to bring it together but it, you sort of stumble across it and i think that the perfect storm that you're talking about is was kind of um you know the crux of the story really it's like the um th- these pressures that are um becoming greater and greater on melbourne and those three pressures that you mentioned all coincided at a very similar time 1955 1956 and um unfortunately there wasn't much of a heritage movement in melbourne at all at the time
0: but that's what, this is what happens, isn't it? Because uh, the balance of power or the belief that the decisions that are made about the environment that you live in, in an urban space, shifts, doesn't it, around this time? You yeah. know, people start arcing up.
1: Yeah, they do. And um, and was it um, Robin Anir that spoke in one of her books about um, people on the street that were uh, mortified in the 50s um, about what was happening to some of these buildings in Melbourne and really didn't know what, what they could do about it um, because, as I said, there wasn't sort of that sort of galvanisation of a protest movement or anything like that, um, which but came there was, later.
0: also there wasn't – it was the establishing of the co- concept of culture because I remember when I was young – there was this crazy idea that Australians didn't have any separate culture, which is just a, a ludicrous notion. Yeah, you know, a, a just not owning their own community.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Um, you know, and I came across the 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 um, just round the corner from where we are, the um, which wasn't part of the film, but um, the demolition of the slums in Fitzroy, and um, you know, getting rid of all of these very strong communities and neighbourhoods for. Um, what we have now with public housing towers, and um, you know, talk about you know destruction of like not only buildings but entire communities at the same at the same time. Um, but yeah, very strong cultures and communities all over Melbourne that were um, yeah severely impacted by what was going on at the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and that's one of the things that's so interesting about this film. I should remind people that you're on 3CR and uh, we're on Showreel and we're talking to Gus Berger about his film, The Lost City of Melbourne. And I was wondering, uh, there's so many interesting things about it. The, the footage that you got from um, of uh, uh, Barry Humphreys having a hmm. yarn, hmm. where young Barry Humphreys having a yarn with uh, one of the offspring of Will and the Wrecker hmm. was fascinating and very Great. humorous. Yeah, yeah. Where did that. you find that?
1: Um, that, was, there was, that was an ABC archive search that came up with that um yeah it's 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 so funny i just as soon as i saw it it was just like oh my god i have to use this um but yes um barry humphreys goes down there in that sort of reporting style that he had of um with the holding the microphone and having a camera crew stumbling along behind him talking to tony wheel and about um the wrecking culture and yeah there's a that a very funny bit where you know he says um you know how do you feel about Pulling down all of Melbourne's great, great buildings, and Tony wheel says, "I love it. I just love it."
2: Yeah, no, it's right. <laughs>
1: Brilliant. Um, yeah, that w- that was great. Um, it was, it was. Yeah, I came across a lot of really incredible um, archive. Which, I mean, if it wasn't for the lockdowns, you know, I would never have had the time to spend all of that time researching ABC National Film and Sound Archive, State Library Victoria. Acme have got a great collection of, um, of film. Um, Herald's Weekly Times, Photographic Archive. Like there's, yeah, it's, you've got to enjoy it to do all of that and you've got to have time. And mm. um, And luckily I had both of those. And I think that that's probably for me the only good thing to come out of all of those lockdowns was the time to kind of, you know, spend some time stillness with the family it was really good. And the other part was to make this film.
0: Um, What's it an exp- is it an expensive process to use all that archival material?
1: Mm, yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, and I'm trying to sort of work out ways to kind of pay for all of that now ahead of a um, a release in um, um, in August and September. Um, so yes, the there were some people that were it was um, kind, very kind. Um, a lot of the the home footage, um, the found um super eight footage of some theaters being demolished which i searched for for a long time um well i, I knew that they existed but it was just getting the permission from the families to use them um so they were very generous with allowing me to use that footage and um, acme also were um, state library um I didn't have to pay too much for the rights. Well, all those photographs are out of copyright. So if I was able to source a, a version that was good enough for me to use, which I did, um, I didn't have to pay for that. But ABC and uh, National Film and Sound Archive were, were expensive.
0: Yeah, that's right. You know, <laughs> They've got to pay their bills.
1: They are, they are, they are, I, don't, well, I mean, ABC getting rid of all of their archive researchers, I don't know. I know, I don't know. You know I was like, well, who am I paying here?
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, talk about uh, uh, as if uh, teachers haven't learnt the uh, lesson that uh, the education department hasn't learnt the lesson that teachers doing the admin as well as teaching isn't a bad idea. So now reporters are going to have to do the metadata for all their material. Talk about a crazy idea. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, crazy idea. But anyway, um, so you're going to have a release. Tell us about that.
1: Um, Well, yes. I um, Luckily, I mean, you know, well... Um, well,
0: you own a theatre.
1: Um, I do own a theatre, so that was always the fallback. But um, the film has been selected for the Melbourne Film Festival, mm. which is great news. Um, so it will play there and then um, we've got some dates, I think, online. Tickets go on sale, I think, tomorrow um, for MIF. Members, I think, are on sale now. Yeah,
0: they had their um, opening on Tuesday. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. So that's exciting. And then um, after that we will do some limited screenings um, Thornbury Picture House, obviously, um, but also the Sun Theatre in Yarraville, the Classic in Elstonwick ah, and the because, Lido.
0: And of course, they are actually in
1: the film. That's right. That's right. So it's nice to to have screenings um, of the film in cinemas that are mentioned in the film, and um, the the premiere of the film is at the Capitol, which is exciting. Oh, very exciting! Um, but also pretty daunting because i know the place well and it's huge um but yes um and we have currently got a um a crowdfunding campaign um going at the moment to try to help me raise some money for all of the archive um
0: so how do they is it um, the lost city of yeah, melbourne i've or? got a
1: website yeah i've got a basic little website with information about the film mm-hmm. the lost city of melbourne.org And um, that's a bit more info about the film and a trailer and um, a link to, and so we're offering people the chance to get their name in the credits and some, um, or for some prints. We've got a a beautiful um, printer in um, Brunswick that's um, printing on some really nice paper stock, some of the illustrations and animations and the photographs that we've used. Um, um, So yeah, we've got some rewards for people who can afford to chip in some money to help me pay for everything to finish the film.
0: Oh, that sounds great, and it is. It's a great film. It's really nice. It's, it was. It was a pleasure to watch.
1: Oh, thank you, Annie. That's lovely to hear.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we've been speaking to Gus Berger, The Lost City of Melbourne. That's it for Showreel this week. And coming up next is, published or not. And we'll go out with Mia Dyson and Precious Thing. Mm-hmm.
2: i Ain't no one can hold me down But me, I can do damage To all